Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline. Here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome and thanks for stopping by. I'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but if you have any questions, concerns about your overly wet landscape or your underly wet, maybe your house plants, you haven't watered them for a while, you can give a call to 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns. Saturday mornings, we get together and we have a roundtable discussion about what's impacting your backyard. What's going on in that side yard landscape? How about the front of your home, your welcome home? Specialty garden space, a taste of the tropics, meaning houseplants and uh, oh, all kinds of different stuff. Potting mixes, how to improve your soil, shearing, pruning, removing bugs, diseases, and using information to make good decisions. My thoughts... And orchestrations are simply there to help you maybe solidify your options. My garden path is not the only one to take. Just gives you an option. And the final judgment is going to be on your shoulders. So this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you inviting me into your home, your car, wherever you're listening. Another very important player in this game is Alex. Alex is producing today and uh, our first time in studio in a couple weeks. So, uh... We were a little bit confused on where the studio, or I was, where the studio is and everything else. But I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting a garden hotline since 1994. I've written five gardening books. Two are available at various locations currently. And I write articles for the Missouri Gardener magazine. I also do, I also do landscape consulting. If you'd like for me to come to your home and do a walk and talk, you can go to my website, www.mikemillerdesigns.com. On the homepage, there is my email address and phone number where I can be reached. And today, after the show, I'm headed to Clayton, and then from Clayton, out to Creve Corps. So, uh, and I do the walk and talks, rain, shine, sleets, and it doesn't matter. Cold, uh, hopefully not cold. But anyway, the Good Gardening Stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Drizzle turned into more like rain. It set the pace for this morning. Birds were up and out. They were singing their songs. The dogwoods, boy, some of them are really still holding on to those pure white flowers. Others are losing some of their petals because of the weather. And where am I? Well, I'm at the corner of Kings Highway in Magnolia, the entrance to Tower Grove Park. The, there, the beds were prepared and ready to go. They don't have their summer annuals yet. I hear a church bell in the distance. It's ringing at 6 in the morning. The beds for the annuals are lined with granite cobblestones. And uh, the sky begins to brighten and making a silhouette of fantastic tree canopies. The archway leading into Tower Grove Parks has limestone walls. And uh, also the message at the top, sort of, I guess, the apex of the arch says, uh, T 
GP, I guess meaning Tower Grove Park, established in 1929. Though this area was dedicated or given to uh, the city, I believe, or I know, by uh, Henry Shaw, who founded the Missouri Botanical Garden. But uh, walking along the pathway as we headed from the intersection, ah, it was really kind of fantastic. But there's been some new development in Tower Grove Park. One area used to be filled with honeysuckle. All that's been refocused and now is a woodland bird garden. Next, on the opposite side of the pathway, rolling mounds of greenery. It's just fantastic. It was really getting, I mean, the rain was coming down pretty hard, but uh, man, the plant material looks fantastic. There's broadleaves and there's bladed. There's a compass plant. Do you know what the compass plant does? Well, it kind of looks like a fern frond, but it actually orients its foliage towards north and south. That's pretty smart, actually, because that way it's always going to have the east and west sun to help it be uh, nice and full and robust. Black-eyed Susans, little blue stem grasses. There's some bee balm. There's some milkweed. These are two different perennial, no, not perennial, well, perennial for sure, but prairie wildflower plots. And they're being uh, rising to the occasion. And by mid-June, these spots are going to be the color show that you cannot believe. So you want to make sure that you head around Tower Grove Park down on that end, which is just a King's Highway in Magnolia, and walk through the park, drive through the park. It's just going to be, you know, I mean, it's going to be best. You can't beat the natives. These are wildflowers and fantastic. And right here in South City, Henry Shaw would absolutely love it. So... Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Alex will be answering the phone. You just need to tell him your name and where you're calling from. Let's start off the day in St. Charles. Ted, how are you? Good morning, Mike. Well, wish the Blues would have won, but what can you do? Right. Uh, Mike, I, I love your service. Thank you. You helped me some years ago kill onion grass in my yard with your method, and I thank you very much. That's all been eradicated. Thank you. Now I have a different problem. Uh, I think they're violets Ooh. that have come into the yard. My neighbors on all three sides you know, have them, and, and they have them, and, and I get them too, and I just can't seem to find anything that that's going to kill them. I try to pick them out of the ground, but sometimes that's hard. Although with the wet soil, it might be a little easier if I went out there today. Do you have any advice for, I, I guess they're violets. I don't know if you've seen them. Yeah, they're all over the place. And they're the most ferocious, let's say, weed of this entire region because they're... In theory, they're annuals because they come back for they can come back from you know seed. They have a yearly thing, but also they're perennials, so they duck below the ground in the winter time. But they are prolific as far as the way they produce seed. They produce it at the flower, but also they produce it right at the crown of the plant too. And it, I mean, it is just brutal. If you're going to dig them, just make sure you get the entire root system, which will be right at the ground level. It'll be like a kind of a whitish lump that you know that extends down into the ground. If you don't get that, if you just break it off, then you're just kind of wasting your time. But it's going to be just, you know, I mean, a battle using a broadleaf weed killer and 
just going after him and after him and after him. And earlier in the season, it's going to be better because as the season goes on, like with every plant, they produce kind of a waxy cuticle on the leaf surface, and it makes it more difficult for the herbicide to be you know, absorbed in. But this is the most difficult plant to control, I think, in our entire region. I didn't have them my five years ago. How? What would have caused them to get into my neighborhood? Well, the, I mean, the seeds can be, you know, transported on the bottom of shoes, on the, you know, paws of animals like squirrels and all that other kind of stuff. So it's just, I mean, and once you get them, I mean, you're kind of like, you're going to be stuck with them. You're just going to have to keep after them and after them and after them. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a multiple-year project. It's not going to be one year. It's not going to be two years. It's not going to be three years to eradicate them entirely. So early season herbicide. Then. Yeah. do it. Uh, the pre-emergence is not going to do all that much because they're kind of coming back from the root system. But uh, just get out there early. This is still pretty early in the season. I mean, we may think it's summertime, but it's not. And just try to get a broadleaf, like a weed-be-gone type thing. Spray it directly onto the foliage. But right before you spray each individual plant, uh, step on it and kind of move your foot a little bit. What you're doing is opening up some wounds, and that will enable the herbicide to be absorbed a little bit uh, better. I will try that. Thank you very much. Good luck. Have a good day. Bye-bye. And let's come back from St. Charles into St. Louis. Mary, how are you? Yeah, hi. Sorry, I took off speaker. Um, yes, I, we bought a crepe myrtle just a few years ago, and or as my husband likes to call it, a crappy myrtle. Whoop! And, uh, well, when he first saw the spelling, he thought that's how it was pronounced, jokingly. <laughs> anyway, it, it has had beautiful fuchsia blooms, but um, last year it didn't look like it was going to come back, but I heard you tell a caller, oh, it's early, give it some time. Right. And it came back. But part of it did and part of it didn't. So we cut back the part that didn't and it just took over and it was looking good. But I noticed through the um, summer some webbing on there and being the lazy gardener that I am, I just took the hose, the forceful part and just kind of blasted it out of there. That's fine. <laughs> and uh, and um, anyway, it. I was trying to be patient, but it was looking so dead after such a nasty winter, and the and the trunk was starting to peel, and now I'm seeing some leafing coming out just this past week, but I'm also seeing just as much webbing showing up. So I haven't been out there to blast it with my hose yet with the rain and all and work and so forth, but I was wondering, do you think it has a shot or... Or I should be patient or just to replace the whole thing and start over with something else. Well, you can replace it if you want to, but, uh, you know, this is pretty atypical or pretty typical of, you know, what you can expect. Some of the crepe myrtles are almost, the leaves are almost halfway out. Some of them are barely showing any kind of growth like yours is. The webbing has nothing to do with, you know, the problems it's not spider mites or anything like that because it's still too cold for spider mites. So just go out and get the webbing off there. It's probably just you know some kind of spiders as opposed to any kind of thing that's going to cause problems for your plant material. And uh, crepe myrtle, I mean, they are marginally hardy. So uh, sometimes they get killed all the way to the ground and they have to reemerge from the crown, you know, slash root system huh. below the soil. Some years they have no damage whatsoever, and if it was planted correctly, then you should be fine. Yeah, I think it's, it was about four or five years ago that we planted yeah. it. Yeah. So, okay. 
Okay. Well, thank you so much. Right, because, I mean, normally you don't see them blooming for another couple months, so they've got plenty right. of you know, time to catch up. And uh, if you decide you're, you're kind of unhappy with this one, what you can do is if you really like this color, when they start blooming, head to the garden center and get one that matches it and just plant it right next to it so you can have a, a larger-looking plant. Well, with my city lot, <laughs> I don't know if I have that much room in my garden, but, ah. but uh, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah, I'll, I would have to just start over probably next spring or, I don't know, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. Well, thank you so much. Certainly, my pleasure. And now let's go back out to St. Charles County into St. Peter's. Cindy, how are you? Hello, Cindy. Good morning, Mike. Thanks Hi. for taking my call. Sure. I put in a endless summer hydrangea last year, and I know you're supposed to let the old growth stay, right? Because right. it'll bloom on that, and it'll bloom on the new growth. Exactly. Well, and I know you're supposed to trim it, the old growth, um, an inch or two above the highest buds. But it doesn't look like there's any buds. Is it too early? Am I looking too soon? Yeah, you really are. We're all getting a little uh, bit impatient. So okay. just like the lady with the cray myrtle, these are plants that, you know, they're they're really their peak season is summertime. And we have to realize that May is still mid-spring. So, I mean, summer doesn't start until June 22nd. So we got this whole month, which is really spring. So that's, you know, what we're kind of looking at. So you're just getting a little bit too impatient with it. So I may have trimmed it back a little early, or will it be will it be all right? Uh, yeah, it should be okay. Okay, thanks. Yep, for your help. Bye. My pleasure, and let's save gas and stay in St. Peter's and go over to David's yard. Hi, David. Good morning, Mike. Hi. How are you today? Very good. Um, I got a zoysia long question. I planted. I I uh, put in zoysia two years ago had very nice success with rolling out all that sod and this year it is just it looks like i hardly sodded that yard and i earlier in the spring when it was dry i lowered the mower and did the dethatching and so forth but it just looks really really thin and it's not greening up real real well and i was just curious as to whether there's um you know, I, I'm using the right fertilizer or what fertilizer I should use on it to stimulate root, root growth and things like that. And thought maybe you could give me a hand. Basically, if you're really, you know, I would get a soil test done and find out what's in your soil. So you can get a fertilizer that's going to compensate for what may be lacking and then not put on something that's going to actually cause problems because you're adding too much, you know, there's already a huge amount of let's say phosphorus or potassium, and you're putting a fertilizer down that has even more of that, and that could be problematic for you know many, ty many type of plants because it does some damage to actually root systems. Now, your zoysia is, a, is a brown and just starting to show some green blades. Is that what we're looking at? It, well, it's, it's, it's starting to show some green blades, but it, it's like really... Thin. It's not like uh, yards that I've dealt with before. You know, it's just, it's like sparse all of a sudden. Instead of, you know, like I said, I, I rolled out, you know, the entire front and backyard with brand new sod two years ago. Right. And it's been 
it's been perfect, you know, but now it looks really thin. Well, I think it's probably as much weather as anything else. And did you aerate and all that kind of stuff, dethatch it? So when you say you you cut it really close, that's great. But dethatching is, you know, cutting it close is not dethatching. I did, I did. And it, oh, go ahead. I did, I did dethatch. Okay. So then I would uh, say no. you're just maybe a little bit, you know, anxious and because my zoysia is getting the front zoysia is more exposed to the western sun so it's pretty you know pretty darn green but there's one section in my backyard between this uh you know or the side of my house between the sidewalk and street and it's still looking a little bit sparse it is getting green but it still has a lot of brown in it and i cut it down pretty tight you know, just like what you're saying and i right. hopefully i can do within the next couple of days do a fertilizing with mine because you should start fertilizing as soon as it starts greening up. But other than that, yeah, I would yeah. say just don't get into a panic. I, I'm glad you said that as far as uh, your front and backyard or a spot in your yard, because the backyard is 100 times better than the front. Right. Uh, it's, it's probably sun-related sun and also all this moisture, too. Right. That so. could certainly be the case. And if there's – I don't know if you have any trees, you know – is that impacting? If you have trees in your yard, it definitely impacts you know any kind of lawn, and zoysia yeah. or bluegrass or fescue or anything. Well, that's great information, Mike, and I really appreciate you taking your time out to answer my questions. Well, sure, my pleasure. You have yourself a wonderful day and get dry. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Alex will be answering the phone. Heading out to your yard, your landscape, you know, your lawn. Boy, the hen bit, oh, it's prolific chickweed, prolific annual bluegrass, these are all seeds of plants that germinated last August, have been just chugging along and loving this extended cool period because when it gets hot, they go downhill. The mother plants die, but they've produced hundreds, if not thousands of seeds during this whole time. They disappear until next August, and then they reemerge. Now, also, those are the cool season weeds, and that would be you put the pre-emergent down in mid to late August to kill those seeds as they germinate. Then what's coming also right now, I'm starting to see, is the warm season weeds, and they germinated when the yellow forsythia was in bloom, and uh, that includes ragweed, knotweed, crabgrass, carpetgrass, barnyard grass, violets, yeah, they are annuals, but also they're perennials because they're coming back from the actual root systems too. All kinds of different ones. And so the pre-emergent to control them should have been put down in, guess what, February, whenever the yellow forsythia blooms. Why I use the yellow forsythia is because it blooms when the soil temperature is at a certain level. And then that's the same level when these weed seeds start germinating. So right now we've got two different weeds. We've got the cool season and the warm seasons both, and it is, like, horrendous. Let's go to Susan's yard in St. Louis. Hi, Susan. Good morning. I have an arborvitae that's really planted too close to the house. Uh-oh. And it's just gotten massive. Is there any way of 
trimming an arborvitae? Basically not. I mean, you can, but uh, aesthetically it loses a lot of its value when it is pruned. So it's going to make it really, really ugly. What about, I guess I can't top it either. Well, that's pretty much the same thing. I mean, at least the top you don't see. But when you prune it on the sides, it really makes it, like I said, aesthetically a real nightmare. I don't know how big this is, but... Rather than fooling around with it like this, I would, you know, kind of consider, you know, you could fool with it and see what you think. Well, maybe you don't, maybe if you do prune it and you top it and everything else, for you, it's not all that bad, but just overall. But I would think, you know, whoever put it that close to the house, everybody's got to start looking at plant material as mature plants and how big they are. And that's something that just doesn't seem to happen enough. Because that when I go to visit people's homes, that has... So often happen where it doesn't matter what it is that people have not looked at how big this plant's going to get and put it, you know, not necessarily in the right spot. So you could go ahead and prune it and see what you think. Maybe you won't mind it at all. Well, I probably will, but <laughs> I just want, I thought maybe if there was some way around it, you would know how to do that. <laughs> Basically, uh, no, there really isn't. I mean, they don't really like to be pruned. So, uh, if and a good way to tell, I, I know you live in the city, right? Yes. And so, when I visit people's homes that are further out and they have deer that have pruned their arborvitae. So, in other words, the deer are chewing on the plant material. It really, not just overall, I mean, it really looks horrible because the bottom part's really skinny and the top's like fat. But consequently, the areas where the deer have chewed, so in other words, pruned, they don't look so good. So the other thing then would be just to chop it up and take it out. Yeah, take it out and, you know, if you like the arborvitae, you know, personally I like them myself, but uh, if you want to put another one out or in or whatever, just make sure it's further away from your house or whatever the problem is. Okay. Next question is honeysuckle. I have, when I moved into this house, there was a lilac bush. And the lilacs have been gone now for five. I've been here 12 years. Mm -hmm. The lilacs have been gone for more than half of it. Honeysuckle got in there and it's overtaken. I mean, it, it's like a big bush. It's got big limp, pretty thick wood on it. Right. Actually, I have that in two different places. How do you get rid of I mean, if I cut it all down, how do I get rid of it and keep it from coming back. Basically, what you need to do is cut it at a 45-degree angle, some of the major trunks, get rid of the top growth. But as soon as you cut it, take Roundup for killing poison ivy slash woody plants and paint it right onto that cut. So, in other words, cut it at a 45-degree angle. That exposes more surface. And like I say, take Roundup for killing, not regular Roundup. It'll say poison ivy killer, woody plant killer, and then paint it right on it. Or you can dig it out. Okay, I mean, I want to cut it down to the ground. Well, don't cut it down to the ground because you have to have some, you know, some stump to be able to apply the roundup. Okay, so I can cut it to like six inches? Well, yeah, exactly. But again, make sure the cut is, you know, is at 45 degree angle to expose as much area as you can. And then take the roundup, straight roundup with a paintbrush and then paint it right onto it. Okay, I'll try that. 
Okay, thank you for thank you for your help. Yep, and yeah, unfortunately, the honeysuckle is in starting to flower right now. So then, after those white flowers are finished, then it produces red berries, and then the birds yep. love the red berries. That's why the honeysuckle is so much all over the places because the birds. I mean, they are the ones that spread it around. And, uh, I mean, sometimes the seeds will drop on their own and germinate right in that same spot. But, yeah, that's a tough one. Well, thanks. And now let's go to Jan. And Jan lives in Brentwood. Hi, Jan. Hi, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Um, Question about the knockout roses. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got about four bushes on both sides of my porch, and they're about seven years old. At the end of last year, I started noticing some brown branches. So when I trimmed them back this spring, early, early spring, I cut out all the brown branches. But And then I fertilized, did the rose fertilizer and everything, and now they're blooming, and normally by Mother's Day I have a nice bloom. But I noticed part of what started to bloom is dying off too. So is that the age of them, a disease, or why, why am I losing them? Well, it's not a necessary age because they should certainly last longer than seven years. Uh, Disease-wise, it's not like rose rosette or some of those kind of things because that virtually is the purple stems that come up that have all kinds of thorns on them. I would think it's just maybe, you know, the position they're in and everything else. I've got three knockout roses myself in pots. Now, mine are not flowering now, but they all are really setting some a lot of buds. Right, right. So you, yours, you're not flowering yet. I would say no, just, no. yeah, I would say just go ahead and, you know, any of it that's, you know, dying or just cut it out and get rid of it and see, you know, how they're going to, you know, proceed through the entire growing season. Because they're just now, well, they've been putting out foliage slash buds for a couple weeks, but uh, this mm-hmm. is the size they are right now are nothing like it's, they're going to be at the end of the season. So randomly having branches that don't leaf out there or that sort of fail is not necessarily something that's really disastrous. Okay, it's not going to, it might not take the whole bush down. Right. But go ahead and cut out the dead stuff as soon as it starts. I mean, is that affecting the, the healthy branch? And really, in reality, not. If it was an internal systemic type disease, that could be, but it's already in the vascular system or the veins of the rose. So cutting off, you know, let's say the disease part is not going to make that much difference to the rest of the plant. Except what you're doing is you're just cutting it off to get rid of the aesthetic value of what it mm-hmm. is. Okay. And I am also noticing a few holes in the leaves. They weren't there a few days ago. Now I'm seeing some and I, I use the fertilome with the insect repellent stuff in it for the fertilizer. Right. So where am I getting, what's eating these leaves? There's not much, there's not very many insects out there that are going to be eating leaves. So my thinking is, you know, something physical like, you know, I want to say hail, but something like that has caused this problem more so than actually an insect. Because there's just not that many insects that are, that's eating foliage yet. That's not to say hmm. you don't have any, but... Uh, that's not what you could expect. And uh, if you're going after them, I mean, you use the insecticide that go- is systemic, so it goes inside the plant and kills yeah. the plant as it's, you know, as if, or kills the insect as it's feeding. So that's what you, about all you can really do. Okay. I don't need to spray on top of spray? No. If, if you top? spray, though, when you spray, it's a contact killer. So you have to actually see the bug and spray it directly onto the bug, or else it doesn't do a bit of good. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Mike. Certainly. Have a good day. Mike right. Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and we're headed into Glendale. Laura, how are you? Hi. Um, this is totally off the subject from what everybody else is talking about. Oh, no! I, I have two poinsettias that I got in the... the you know, the not the big ones, you know, they're little tiny ones, not itty-bitty, like three-inch pot, that's uh-huh. what I'm trying to say. And they've been sitting in my kitchen window, and they're starting to grow. They're, I mean, I don't know why I'm surprised at this time that they would, but I've just never had that success before. And I was wondering, when it gets hot outside, can I plant them outside? Well, you can plant them, but you're not going to leave them out there. They're oh, not. I don't care. I don't care if they don't make it. Oh, okay. It's just something to enjoy. Yeah, you it's can stick them. Something I tried to do. It just happened, and I thought, well, I could put them outside and see what they did in the sun. Yeah, I know if, they're. If you grow things in pots, I'll probably do a little bit better in pots than it will they will do in the ground. But okay. uh, if you want to stick them in the ground in a, you know, let's say a part shaded location, you don't want to put them in bright, bright sun, especially when you're first moving them out. They've got to be definitely with no intense sun, let's say from 10 o'clock, uh, let's say 11 o'clock to 5 in the afternoon. If you get them in the bright sun, they're just going to all score, I mean, sunburn and everything else. So, but yeah, you can put them in pots or you can put them in the ground. Okay. All right, great. It's just it's fun, yeah. you know, because it's never happened before. So I just wanted to see what happened this winter, summer with them. So, okay, thanks so much. Yeah, and if you wanted to, like I say, they're in three-inch pots. You could put them in a six-inch pot with potting mix and uh, grow them outside in a part shade, part sun location, and then bring them back in and have them flower for you again for the next, you know, upcoming year. Okay, well, we'll give her a roll. All right. See how it goes. Thanks a lot. Yep, good luck with that. And back out to St. Charles County or St. Charles City. Scott, what's happening? Hello, Scott. Scott, are you there? Five, four, three. Sorry, Scott. Jim in St. Louis. Jim St. Jim in St. Louis is he there? Wow, somebody's got a bird or something. And oh, hello, hello, who is this? This is Martha. Okay, this is Martha in Oakville. Great. I, right, and I've got a bird. <laughs> oh, you, so you're the birdie. I, I've got two birds. Okay, and they're loud. Um, I have two questions. One, I uh, I have a peace lily that I got from my niece's funeral a year ago. Can that be set outside in the summer? Yes. Just don't put it in direct sun. Peace no, lilies. it would be. It would. It wouldn't really get direct sun any time. Okay, that's fine. That's perfect. Okay, and one other question. I have this huge snowball bush. A year and a half, some about a year or so ago, we cut that thing down to where there was nothing hardly there at all, and I put a gallon of plant killer on it. It did not die. It is twice as big. How can I kill the darn thing? Probably have somebody dig it out. 
Oh, okay. That's going to be easier than trying to monkey around with. Because if you use, let's say, plant killer, if it wasn't for killing woody plants, it's really not going to be strong enough to do anything. I, they, this is what they recommended for to kill it, and I told them what I wanted to kill. Yeah, well. But it, it, just, made, it just looked like it was just being fertilized. <laughs> <laughs> well, usually herbicides have to be you know, sprayed onto the foliage and then it's absorbed into the foliage. If there wasn't a whole lot of leaves on it because you cut it down, then it's not going to be very effective that way. Well, that's probably why it wasn't very effective. Right. So digging it out is going to be the best way to do it. There was five huge paper bags full of stuff that I cut off that darn thing. Wow. And I planted when I planted it. I planted it too close to the house, and I try to want oh, to try to get rid of it. But. Right. Anyway, thank you so much. Yep. Good luck. Enjoy your show every Saturday. Well, thanks for having me on your show. And uh, should we try Scott in St. Charles again? No. Let's go to Al and Florison. Hi, Al. Hi, Mike. Hi. I have a question about a butterfly bush. I've heard it called a bush, a flower, a butterfly weed, and or a milkweed. Well, my question is, are they annual or perennial? I've got some that haven't started to green up yet, and last year was the first year for them. Basically, if you have, uh, let's say, milkweed, Asclepius, that's a perennial. Butterfly bush is a completely different plant. It's a shrub with woody stems and everything else. So, so it may not come back. It's So if if yours is basically gone, it doesn't have any woody structure above the ground or anything else, uh, this is well, butterf- I, I cut it back in the f- fall, but it just hasn't greened up yet. Well, it's a little I don't bit know early. If it is going to, but it, that's all it is—is is like twigs out there coming out of the ground. Yeah, so it's a little bit early, like for the crepe myrtle, for the roses, Sharon, for the butterfly bush, all the summertime stuff. It's a little bit soon for it okay. to be showing too much growth at all. It's still been pretty cool. We have to admit it's been a few warm days, but uh, the temperatures haven't been great to really cause a surge of growth. So it grows better in warm weather. Absolutely. That's when it flowers. That's when it grow. You know, that's what triggers the foliage growth and everything else. So regardless of what you, th- you know, all shrubs don't start emerging with foliage, you know, at the same time, regardless of when they do the flowering. So it's going to be related to the, you know, the air temperatures and soil temperatures both. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Yep. And I don't think we're going to be able to get another call in. But uh, things to take a look at when you are headed out. Like I said, watch out for those weeds. They're prolific. And uh, everything's in the need of nutrients right now. So really think about those bulbs. If your daffodils, your tulips, and everything else, if the foliage is over half brown, don't bother feeding them this late in the season because it's not going to really do all that much good. But uh, other things, once you start getting your lawn, you know, one more application on a cool season lawn, application like on bluegrasses or fescues, that's going to be it for this year. That's going to occur during the month of May. So during the summertime, bluegrass, fescue, get no fertilizer at all. But this is the time of year when you start feeding zoysia, and you're going to feed zoysia monthly all the way up until and through September would be the last application. So one more application for the cool season lawns, and then you just start fertilizing on your zoises and things like that. So questions or concerns or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. So we'll be back after the news. 
KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Celebrating 25 years as your host of the Garden Hotline. Here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the Garden Hotline Tip of the Trowel Hour. And I will be giving the tip of the trowel shortly. But right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with your questions, comments, ideas, concerns, or whatever. And by the way, thanks for having me on your show. If you were not there, I would not be here. So we can discuss plant selection, how to care for, the ups and downs related to annuals. Man, the pansies... They are loving this rain and weather and clouds and everything else. I've never seen them look this good. I'm growing. I got a couple flats, and uh, they are absolutely spectacular. Now, I did have some of them that uh, went downhill, but that's okay. The majority are just, I mean, the size of the flowers and everything else and the number of flowers, unbelievable. Uh, The bulbs. I've got my elephant ears, my cannas, and several other type of summer bulbs In the ground, they're already showing some growth above the surface. And my tulips and daffodils and everything else, the tulips have pretty much finished as the foliage has turned half brown. But uh, the daffodil foliage still looks pretty green. So I may do one more feeding on the daffodil foliage. How about your ground covers? How about house plants? Your lawn, your perennials, your roses, shrubs, trees, vines, or water gardens? And I'll share my thoughts. But remember, my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. And across the big board is Alex. He's producing today. And uh, when you call, just give him your name and where you're calling from, and he'll take it from there. I spend, uh, during the week, I do something I call walk and talk, where I come to your home and I can help solve aesthetic and problem solving and other things as well. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage is where my email address and phone number are listed. So then I'll come to your home and share 40 years of experience, 40 plus years actually, related to your home's landscape, plants, care, and maintenance. Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for individual group that's made a group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. The Tip of the Trial today, well, this weekend, the rain has stopped, so why not head down to the Botanical Garden and guess what's going on today, let's say 9 a.m. to noon on Saturday and uh is today Saturday? Yeah, today is Saturday. Yeah, the St. Louis Herb Society, they're having a great sale. There's going to be more than 9,000 plants available. So, wow. I mean, there's nothing better than herbs. You talk about low-care plants. They don't like fertilizing. They don't like to be overwatered. They want to just be left alone for the most part. So, you could head down to the Botanical Garden for the St. Louis Herb Society, and that's at the Botanical Garden Herb Days Plant Sale. Also at the Botanical Garden coming up later on, starting at the end of this month between May 29th and July 31st on Wednesdays, the Whitaker Foundation is doing their summer evening concerts. And that is just, you you go in, and we're going to have the one, one millionth actually visitor to the Whitaker Music Festival was last year. Can you imagine? It's unbelievable. This 10-week lineup of free Wednesday evening concerts. You can pack a picnic and enjoy the garden grounds in the summertime. 
Nothing could be better than that. So Herbs Today and then later on this month, all the way through July, is going to be the Whitaker Music Festival. So all kinds of great things going on at the Botanical Garden. So Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, we're headed out to St. Charles. Vivian, thanks for holding on. Vivian, what's your question Hi, Mike. Thank you for your show. Well, thank you. Uh, I have holly shrub in the front of my house, been there 10 years or so, and even before the rain, I noticed that the leaves are kind of yellowish. Is there some mineral missing, something I need to do to help this? Yes, there is. What it is, is usually when your foliage starts losing the darker green, means the soil pH is not correct. So you need to get some iron sulfate. The sulfur of the sulfate changes the pH of your soil, and the iron then will be able to be absorbed up through the the stems and everything and then start turning the foliage greener. But it's not going to happen overnight by any means. It's going to take a process. Is that the same as the food that you give azaleas? I have a a package of that. Well, that's if you're feeding, this is just... You know, to take care of the yellowness. But yes, it is the exact same thing. You know, azalea okay. food will have iron and sulfur both in it as well. Okay. And then uh, this year, uh, I did not do a pre-emergent. And you know, lo and behold, I'm getting weeds, uh, crabgrass. But I'm also getting a weed that has a cylindrical, like, straw-like stem with a leaf at the end, uh, light green in color. Any idea what that is and how I can get rid of it? Uh, it's a little tough to you know say from if it's so is the is the like the blade that you're talking about is it small like a grass blade so skinny or is it is it wide? Uh, mm, the the leaf itself right. looks like grass, but it's on a tubular, uh, you know, like straw-like structure. When I go to pull it. I'm pulling out of like a tube. Okay, basically then you need to probably use a grass killer. So you can get something that just says grass killer on it and just try to spray it right on it and see if it, you know, if it will get rid of it. Okay. But so just realize if it's in your lawn, it can damage your grass as well. Right, right. If I spray that, yeah. Right. I realize that. That's what I did last year and eventually filled it all in. But uh, I was just wondering if there was something else that we could put on it. No, there really isn't. If it was broadleaf weed, then you could use Weed Be Gone. You could try the Weed Be Gone and see what's happened, but I, can, you know, I can't you know, visualize exactly what plants you're talking about. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Mike. Listen for years. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And now let's save a little gas and go from St. Charles to Florissant. June, what's happening? Yes, good morning, Mike. How Hi. are you? Good. Um... Two weeks ago, a lady called in on your show about a senior group that would come out to senior citizens' homes and help with weeding and feeding flower beds and so forth, and just general help when you can't care for the flower beds anymore. Right. Do you happen to have that information available? No, I don't. These were this was through high schools, like some of the Catholic high schools. You know, so I would contact some of the Catholic high schools, you know, in your area and see if they have that type of program. I thought she, I didn't hear the whole thing. I thought she mentioned Vianney or something like that. Yeah, there was Vianney, and I think she mentioned another school as well. Vianney's down in Kirkwood. I don't know if they, you know, how far they go, or if you could just find out if there's, you know, a high school 
in your area that is, you know, and I, it may, there may be other schools other than the Catholic schools, but they do it for, you know, sort of like, I don't want to say making them mature, but just it's kind of a growth process for the, for the seniors. So they actually will come out and, and work. Um, is that for free or what? I, yeah, I think it's for free, and I asked her, too, because I was, you know, if, yeah, how about tools and stuff along that line? She said, well, the majority of people they go to, you know, are seniors who at one time had all the landscaping tools that was needed, so they still right. had them. And that way, when they got to your home, they would have the tools right there and they'd use your tools. I see. I understand. Okay. Well, I will give it a try. I'll call around some of the local high schools then. Great. All right. Thank you so much, and thank you for your program. It's great. Well, great. Well, thank you, and good luck with this. I'll give it a try. Yes. Bye for now. And let's head south to Melville. Nancy, how was your yard today? Hi, Mike. Hi. I apologize. I have a cold, so I hope you can understand me. I have four questions. I know you're, you are want pretty direct, so I'm trying to get to it. So I have a croton that I brought in. And it's looking Charlie Brownish, and nothing's <laughs> going to grow except for at the tips. So I'm wondering if I should just like get rid of it and use the pot for something else. Yeah, probably I would. You know, the Crotons, I love them because of the way, you know, I mean, their foliage is, can be so spectacular. It's a, like Jackson Pollock, you know, artwork. But mm-hmm. uh, some of them, you know, just have streaky veins and things like that. But yeah, if it's not looking overly, if it's not looking good, they're not all that expensive. I'd say don't fool with it. Okay, the other question is, I planted some bearded iris bulbs that I got from a friend last year. I think I planted them too late, so they just kind of halfway came up and I had no blooms, but this year they're doing good. So what do I do care-wise after the bloom is finished blooming? Just cut the flower off, and they really don't need a whole lot of fertilizer or anything. They definitely don't need a whole lot of water, so make sure that they're in a well-drained situation. But just cut the you know, flower stalk off and just let them go and let them absorb as much of the sunlight as they possibly can. Okay, and, and question number three, can preen go in a vegetable garden or just a flower garden? Uh, it may be able to go to, I would probably have to look at the label and that's for anybody before you put anything down, make sure that you read the label. But, uh, I would say it probably could go into a vegetable garden, but personally I would not put it in a vegetable garden. Yeah. You you just already convinced me I'm not doing it, but (laughs) (laughs) okay. So I have one more question. Okay. Well, one last year, cause we usually get the, um, black forest mulch from, um, St. Louis composting mm-hmm. for the garden and around our uh, flower beds. Last year in the garden, I saw these little things that looked like spores, but they were brown. So I thought, I don't know, maybe it's moisture, maybe it's mold, I don't know. So this year, out front in our landscaping, as I'm walking to get in the car, I look, and the best way I can describe it would be at the very bottom of a Cheetos bag, and you have all the crumbs that looks like somebody sprinkled. So they're like that bright yellow. And I'm like, they look like spores of some sort. So it, I haven't put new mulch down. This is old mulch. So do I need to rake that up and let some air get into that? Yeah, or? I would just rake it. Okay. So, you know, I mean, they have their products all tested. And if there's anything, you know, funky that's going to have some problems in it, they just don't, they don't sell it. So, I mean, yeah. they, I mean, this stuff's tested on site and they send samples to two different locations. So Yeah, it, it looks a little compacted and old, so I'm sure it's just a, a moisture issue that I can just rake up. And I lied. I have one more question. We have a two-foot area be- between our privacy fence and the chain link fence that 
has a lot of like weeds. Right. So I'm I'm guessing what can we do? Like, do we? It's like we can we weed eat back there and then spray it with something so something does not grow back there. It's not an area we want to keep maintaining. Right. There's no way to get rid of the weeds and never have any more weeds in there. What you could do is you know maybe go ahead and get the weeds under control and. You know, consider putting like a rock mulch in there if you can possibly do that, but you're still going to get weeds as a result okay. of whatever. There's no way to make a, a spot. Well, I guess if you, you know, who knows? I shouldn't say there's no way, but no well, realistic yeah. way to have it so you never have a weed problem again. Okay, so we'll just have to weed eat it and then zap it or hit it with some Roundup or something and just kind of keep our eye on it. Right, exactly. All right. I appreciate it, Mike. Thank you, and have a good day. Yep. You too, the same thing. And now let's head to Chester, Illinois, and go into Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Yeah. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. Uh, I have a blood good Japanese maple, and uh, the up about uh, 18 inches to 2 foot from the ground on the main trunk, mm-hmm. there are some holes in it, like somebody took a drill bit and drilled into it. But the limbs up above that, some of them are just full of leaves, and some of them don't have any leaves on them at all until they get to the very tip of the limbs. Then there's some leaves. Do you think that's dying, or is there a bug in there? Uh, generally, boars, if this if the whole size is like pencil lead, it could be boars. But usually, boars do not go after uh, maples. That's No, these, these are about the size of a pencil. So the, what this is is probably a sap sucker. So okay. So especially if they're like three or four of them in a row. So, okay. So in other words, a sap sucker comes in, and then it moves over a little bit, and then, and then what they do is they come back and then drink this drink sap later on. I I've got some sugar maples, and they're you know I've got all kinds of holes all over you know mine. Now my trunk is probably sugar maples bigger than that, but my thinking is that's what you're having go on in your with your. Uh, Maple tree, Japanese maple. Will it will it end up dying? Or no, they happen? usually they're smart enough. They don't want to kill the tree because this is a source of food for them because they come back and then drink the sap. So uh, okay. and also insects will get stuck in the sap and then they eat those insects as well. Oh, okay. So just let it go and let it run its course. Huh? Yeah, there's nothing you can really do. Okay. Well, thank you very much. That's sure. what I wanted to find out. Great. Good luck. And now let's go from Chester, Illinois, to Hazelwood. Hi, Pat. Hello. Hi. Happy weekend, and thanks for our show. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I have two little bits I want to tell you about, uh, and then I have a question. Uh, my seven-inch, uh, my, my two seven-inch plumeria helicopter seeds are hard. They look good. They're brown, and they're still hanging on. That's okay. Okay. And I also have a, a three-inch potted lime green poinsettia starting to get new leaves, and it looks great. Okay. Now, my question is, I have a large windowsill full of air plants that all bloom in about October, November. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting to see that. They have a white powdery, uh, it's a fine white powder in the lower part of it. And I don't know if it's from the water or not. I fill my jugs of water and leave them setting out for a week whenever the next week, whenever I soak them. And I do soak them upside down for at least an hour. Can I swish them in uh, uh, warm, soapy water to remove this or what? 
I would probably not worry about it. It's probably because the drinking water that you're probably using is probably has a fairly high pH content. So in other words, it's a little bit salty. So that's what you're seeing is just salt residual. You could probably just stick them underneath a faucet and you know try to wash them off that way. Maybe and just, with a soft brush or something? It seems what? like it's hanging on because if I swish them in just regular water, it doesn't come off. Uh, I guess you could. I wouldn't worry too much about it. You may cause more damage by trying to get rid of it than by just leaving it alone. Oh, okay. I sure don't want to lose them. <laughs> they are fun. Yes, they are, and they're so beautiful. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank you. My pleasure. Mike okay, Miller. Bye. Oh. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Staying ahead in your landscape can really make a big, big difference, especially when you're dealing with, like, fungus disease or bacteria problems, whether that's, like, cedar apple rust on your junipers or cedar apple rust on your hawthorns, crab apples, or things like that, powdery mildew on your lilacs, Uh, your lawn fungus and things along those lines, the black spot and different kinds of fungus that get on your peonies or the powdery mildew mildew that gets on your flocks. Well, staying ahead means you're going to do, let's say, a preventative control by before you see any of the disease problems showing up, then you go ahead and apply the correct fungicide, bactericide, or whatever it happens to be. That will really make your life a lot better. Once those problems start showing up, applications of any kind of control, really, that does help, but it's not really going to eradicate the problem. So if you start before you see it, then it's going to be a whole lot better. Let's go to Linda, and she is in Oakville. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, Last hour, a lady called, and she was talking about um, her holes in her rose leaves, Mm -hmm. and a couple of years ago, I almost noticed that too late. I wasn't using a systemic insecticide rose food, but there is a tiny green worm on the bottom of the leaves. Whoa. And, yeah, I mean, the, it's like it, it starts out probably smaller than, like, the width of a toothpick, and it can get bigger as it, you know, eats more of the leaves. Sure. But I almost lost my rose bushes to that before I really noticed what it was. I turned the leaf over and saw these things under there. So I sprayed uh, liquid seven Mm -hmm. in a bottle, and that took care of them. I'm hoping that, you know, that systemic will work for this lady, but she should look at the underside of the leaf and see if she's got these little worms. And and then they're on there every year. And was this this early in the year they were showing up? Oh, yes. They've okay. already had them and already sprayed my roses, you know, for them this year. Wow. And I was the, the person who called about the high schools. And the other one, Vianney and Melville, were the two that I had kind of personal experience with or knew someone who did. So, yeah, I think that's a great resource. So I hope that, and, I'm, and it is, there's no charge. And it's a service project for the right. students. He said for maturity and just to do service in the community. So I have one more question. I have an English rose. I don't really think it's a climber, but it's always been beautiful. And this year, just parts of it are the normal green color. The rest of it is like fuchsia green. I don't think it has it rose rosette, but I mean, do you, 
been fed and everything, but it's starting to put a few um, buds on the normal part, but the rest of it is not looking too good. You think, how long do you think I should try to stick with this poor? It's a beautiful, it's been a beautiful bush in the past, but how this old, year is not too good. Yeah, how old is it? I'm not really sure. It could be five to ten years old. Uh, I'm not really sure how yeah, long it's not been really out all there. that old. But generally with... In, no, it is. You know, generally if you're starting to see something that looks dysfunctional, I would, you know, I would cut off the dysfunctional stuff and just kind of see what happens after that. And you may end up having to just get rid of the whole thing. But this way you can enjoy it as much as you possibly can and see what's going to go. Okay. Yeah, I've cut quite a bit of the, like you say, dysfunctional part up. But if I cut the rest of the dysfunctional, I might have like one stem left. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, that's not a good sign. No. (laughs) Okay, well, I think I might. Oh, and would it be, I mean, since since I love the English rose, and do you think since it's done so well in that area that I could, if I do dig it out, I could just put another one in there? I would think you should be fine. Okay. All right, thank you. Love the show. Yep, well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. And thanks for your insight on, you know, the high school. So the lady in Florissant, call some of your local high schools because this wasn't just, you know, from what she said, a Catholic high school, which was Vianney. She said it was Melville, both, and those are kind of both in the south area. Let's go into yeah. Afton and see what's going on with Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Uh, hi, Mike. Uh, thank you for your show. Um, I have a uh, holly bush, and it's about... 25 years old or more, but it is only um, about three feet tall, maybe not even that. And I would like to put another one of those uh, nearby, but I don't recall what the name of that bush would be. Do you have any ideas? Uh, 25 years old and so on. Does it have a classic holly-looking leaf? Yes. Really? And it's only three feet tall. Yes. Boy, that's a tough one. Uh, I looked it up online, but I couldn't find anything that tall. Yeah, that stayed that short. Right, that short. And uh, it's uh, it's greening up now, and um, I lost a tree. Uh, you had been out and had suggested a Tina Crabapple, which I had for uh, many years. But it died, and so this uh, shrub actually gets more um, more sun than it had. So it's growing a little bit taller than it did. And I'm coming out and looking at the leaf, and yes, um, it looks like a regular holly leaf. Hmm. I would probably, since you've already looked online and can't find it, uh, since you live in Afton, there's a garden center that's on uh, Big Ben in Richmond Heights. I would go to that garden center and see if they can give you some help with this. Okay. Maybe what if I took a sample Exactly. With me? Right. Okay. All right. So that like, sounds- you know, something with, that has a little you know stem or twig that has four leaves on it should be adequate for them to be able to tell what it is. But it may be a variety that's no longer available. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I can't remember, and I usually save those things, but I can't find it. There, it is getting berries on it already. Great. Yeah. So, 
anyway, and I love the Tina Crab apple, but it I guess it just got too old. <laughs> <laughs> like me. And me. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you for your show. Sure, thank you. Let's, uh-huh. let's head into Ellisville, where I grew up, and go see what's going on with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good. I uh, got two questions. I've got two really pretty Alaskan evergreens in my front yard. They've been there for about four years. I noticed the one, they're planted about eight feet apart. I noticed the one in uh, December turning, starting to turn brown, and now the whole entire thing is brown. I mean, it looks dead as anything. Um, I don't know if that is the case. Uh, if it is dead, if I should wait and see if it comes back or uh, get rid of it. And my uh, follow-up question with that is, is it, um, uh, are they planted too close together? And I have one more question after that. Uh, eight feet is not too close. I don't know what this exact plant is. You said it's an Alaskan evergreen? Yeah, it's an Alaskan evergreen. It's got the really, it's got the droopy, uh, real long droopy uh, evergreen uh, branches on them. And it has needles, not broadleafs, right? It does have needles, correct. Right. So it's my guess is probably it may be a Norway spruce, but I don't know that for sure. But if it's brown, it's brown. Any kind of conifer that turns brown, it's not going to come back. Okay. Okay. Yes, I was kind of thinking that. Um, now I do have. Uh, uh, two, two, or three Norway spruces in my berm um, that I created a berm about four years ago. I moved a bunch of dirt in my yard, and I've got good, rich soil out here in Ellisville. And um, I've and I've got three Norway spruces in the back of my berm, and the one on the far right keeps dying. I've gone through three Norway spruces. The other two are doing just fine. Uh, the one that does keep dying, that doesn't get very much sun. The other two get, you know, good, good amount of sun. I don't know if that's uh, the reason why I keep losing the Norway spruces on the one side. Yeah. They want to be in full sun all day long, every day. Okay. So all that's right. just not a good environment for it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that answers my questions. Thank you. Yep. Good luck with that. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones, and let's go over to Lily's house. Hi, Lily. Hello, Lily, are you there? Hello. Hi, Lily. Oh, it's Gloria. Anyway. Oh, Gloria, sorry. That's all right. (laughs) Uh, That's why I didn't answer. Okay, anyway. I want to ask you about these hydrants and these azaleas. Excuse me, I got a bad cold. Uh, when I plant them every year, they they just when the year come up, they just be dead. I ain't threw five or six of them away already, you know. And I'm wondering what am I doing not planting them right? Basically, you need to have a high organic content, so you have to add a lot of compost to the soil. Also, uh-huh. they cannot be planted where there's going to be competition from large established trees. They can't compete a newly you know, planted plant. And another thing they need is both of them need an acidic soil. So they have to have soil that has like iron and sulfur in the soil. So if you suspect there might not be iron or sulfur, then you're going to have to add that too. Okay, that's why they're not growing because they are on a tree. 
Yeah, that's they're never going to get established. The trees are just big brutes, and they kill off other things, especially newly installed plants, regardless of whatever. And so there's not too much you can do because you probably don't want to get rid of the trees. Oh, no, too much money for, for that. <laughs> right. Anyway, I got this alley I've been trying to kill from outside to outside. What can you use? I cut it all the way down the ground as much as I could yesterday. What can I use where they won't come back? Wait, it won't come back. So you're try- if you cut everything off and there's no leaves left, the herbicides won't be effective because they have to actually get and hit leaves to be effective ah, okay. to kill. So, so as long as there's no leaves there, they can't come back. Yeah. If there's if you cut off all the leaves, you could spray anything you want to, and it's still gonna come back from the root system more than likely. Ah. Okay, I'll try. Thank you very much. Yeah, so in essence, let let them grow, and then when the leaves start coming out, then go ahead and spray. If you're trying to kill everything, uh, spray like a, a Roundup-type product in that spot or a burnout oh. by Bonide. Oh, get the Roundup by who? Or burnout. Burnout is by Bonide, B-O-N-I-D-E, burnout. Yeah, yeah I see that all the time. Okay, then. I'll, I'll see what they do. Thank you very much. Yep. Good luck. And let's go to Frontenac and see what's going on with Russ. Hi, Russ. Hi. How you doing, Mike? Very good. 18 years ago, I had three sticks that were cuttings from an olive tree. Wow. I planted them, and one of them grew. And so for 18 years, I've had a nice olive tree that I took in my house every winter. And I've had good success with it until this year. And I made one mistake potentially, and that is someone told me that it isn't producing olives, and maybe if you leave it outside in the fall a little bit longer, (laughs) that might help. Well, I left it out a little bit longer, and I'm not saying it was real cold uh, winter or anything like that. I brought it back in, and it seemed healthy. Uh, They always lose leaves in the the house during the winter. That's normal. And everything seemed normal. Some of the leaves looked... uh, very healthy, like they were still alive. So I put it out this spring, and it's not producing anything. It's it, In fact, it's not you know trying to bud out or anything. There's no new leaves, anything. What I wanted to know was, am I silly to try to take a cutting of that tree and try to get it to grow? Or is it totally non-existent at this point it sounds and non-existent reached- but let me i'll tell you take your take your uh, thumbnail scrape the bark on you know of an area that you're going to make the cutting from if underneath the bark just scrape it lightly if it's still light color like green and not dull looking then that particular branch is still viable and good so i mean you could do that in several places and see if maybe you know, you just kind of, things got messed up a little bit and it's going to leaf out on its own. So that's probably what I would do. And if it is green underneath there and you want to take a cutting, then go ahead and take the cutting and then get the rooting hormone for rooting woody plants. Yeah, the reason I'm asking is you had mentioned a week or two ago about roots from a tree that you cut down. That from three to five years, the, the roots aren't smart enough to realize the tree's dead and they keep Taking right. up nutrients. Exactly. So therefore, therefore, I'm wondering is, did that relate to taking a cutting that would, would grow even if it is currently dead? Uh, it's it's going to be a very iffy type thing. So, because, uh, I mean, the root system could have been damaged, you know, 
by being outside as long as it was. And even though when you brought it inside, everything looked okay, maybe it really wasn't. Because, you know, in reality, olive trees, you know, in their native habitat or whatever, in Southern California or any other place, they're evergreens. So the leaves may have just hung on, even though they actually the root system had already been damaged. Yeah, I shouldn't say this, but the cuttings are very were very important to me because they came back from southern France Ooh. illegally before 9-11. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't believe that I planted the three of those and one of them took off. It yeah. had no roots or anything. They were just sticks. Right. So anyway... That's my story, and that was my question. Thank you. Certainly. Yeah, and you can go, uh, I mean, the Missouri Botanical Garden grew, I, I'm assuming they're still growing, like in, you know, some of the indoor places, some, uh, you know, olive trees. So you can go to the website and see what they're recommending as far as that goes. And I All apologize right. to uh, Joe, Tom, and Tim. We're not going to be able to get to you today, but I do want to thank everybody for calling in. Wow, it's, it looks like finally the rain has stopped, the sun's coming out, so... Let's get outside and just enjoy it. So I'm headed, as I said before, to Clayton first, and then I'm going out to Creve Corps, and then I'm coming home. And since there's no rain, I'm going to fertilize my zoysia. Every time I get out there and start to do it, it's like it's rain. And, you know, when I schedule, I try not to work in the yard all the time because that gets too insane. But I limit it two or two days a week or so. But uh, so just enjoy this spring. It's been absolutely fantastic, and especially now. Ah, Mike Miller, KMRS Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.